We are in a series called Grace Too Good to Be True. No, it is true. And this is the last and final week, week 10, believe it or not. And we've been talking about this. I don't know if that's a boo or a cheer for you folks, but uh, I think that's been very beneficial to me and hopefully to you. So we're going to review all 10 weeks real quickly here at the beginning. Week one, we talked about salvation, how to get connected to God or reconnected to God. And it's not about what we do or don't do. It's by grace through faith. And so it's not by our performance, but God's, God's promise of this gift if we'll just receive it. So then you get connected with God, get in a relationship with God. In the second week, we talked about uh, being free to guilt. Uh, guilt's an issue for us, even after we become Jesus followers sometimes, and we shouldn't. Uh, conviction of spirit's a good thing. When you've done something wrong, you say, oh, yeah, I've done something wrong. You should confess it and move on. Uh, we said there is absolutely no condemnation uh, to those who are in Christ Jesus. Those who are Jesus followers. There's, there's no reason for condemnation. Uh, third week, we talked about sustaining grace. How God gives you the power and the strength to get through whatever you have to get through in life. And uh, I don't know about you, but some of the folks had good days this week. We had a bad day yesterday. Uh, my wife walked into the house yesterday afternoon and found a tree branch on the kitchen floor. Well, you know how it got there? It came through the ceiling, through the roof. That's right. Uh, told you a story a while back about one falling through the porch roof last year. Well, this fell through the kitchen roof. So there's a hole in the kitchen roof uh, ceiling, and then there's three holes in the roof I have to fix tomorrow. I don't know what you're doing tomorrow, but I'm going to be working, needing Labor Day, and I'm fixing my roof. But thank God it's not going to rain between now and then, right? But that wasn't the worst part of yesterday, by far. My wife got a call from her cousin, in, one of her cousins in Louisiana, and her sister and husband and three children were in a car accident, and her husband got killed. And uh, she, actually, these are her grandchildren she's raising. Uh, three grandchildren she's raising, and her husband got killed, and she's in the hospital. Children are okay. Uh, so we didn't have a real good day yesterday, but God's sustaining grace uh, will get us through. And we talked about healing grace. That's healing of your physical body. God heals us. Uh, our emotions, our uh, uh, healing of, uh, emotionally, also for uh, spiritual healing, all because of God's grace. We talked about also how important it is that grace allows us to relax. We don't have to be on this treadmill thinking we've got to do this for God all the time. We've got to do this for God. God's going to get mad at me if I don't. going to be upset with me. Uh, no. <laughs> God's grace said if it's by God's grace, then I can relax. Not to be uptight about things. Now, all these are things that we've received. So one week we talked about, okay, I've received all this God's grace. To me, I ought to be a giver of God's grace. So we talked about receiving God's forgiveness. We ought to offer other people forgiveness. So that was really important. And then we talked about restoring grace. No matter how far we drift away from God, step away from God, forget God, go our own way, it's always only one step back. Uh, that's all it takes, is again, just begin trusting again. <clears throat> and then we talked about transforming grace, where God actually changes our mind, the way we think. <clears throat> so we begin to think like God. It's pretty cool. So we can see things differently and have 
good attitude instead of bad attitudes. And then last week, we talked about maturing or growing in grace. And this was a little difficult for me to explain because there's our part and God's part. And we talked about it isn't by our determination. It's not accomplished by our trying, but by trusting. So it's a determined dependence or trusting on God, cooperating with God. And these are all on our website if you want to uh, listen to them again. But this is week 10. This is the last week we're going to be talking about this. Uh, but somebody said they were hating to see the series be over. And I said, well, in reality, it's never over. Because <laughs> whatever we talk about any Sunday is really God's grace. Bottom line. Everything is by God's grace. The fact that you're breathing, that you can see, that you got a car to drive, have a job, whatever. Everything, your health. Everything is a result of God's grace. Sometimes say it this way. If God removed himself from the universe, it would disappear. All right? So everything is by God's grace. So today's topic is living in grace, kind of uh, our response, how to incorporate all this stuff into our lives. Now, the real tragedy would be if you've been here for at least part of this series and found out about God's grace, the real tragedy would be is, hey, that sounds interesting, that sounds like that's good. In fact, it sounds too good to be true. I don't think I'm going to buy it. That would be a real tragedy. So we're going to make sure, if you haven't, that you have an opportunity, at least you know how, <laughs> uh, to get connected to God through His grace. And so we're going to ask the question and try and answer it, how do I receive the grace of God and the answer is by trusting Jesus. Right? There's not 26 things you and I have to do. There's not eight steps. There's not 15 this or that. It's simply trusting Jesus. It's not by religion. It's not by ritual. It's not by being baptized or whatever else you want to add on to that. It's not by going to church a lot. It's not by putting money in the offering. It's by trusting Jesus. It's a person. It's a relationship. Uh, a relationship is built on trust. The more you trust, the stronger the relationship gets. Right? In fact, we're described as friends of God. And you, if you have a good friend, you trust them and they trust you. And so we should trust God or trust Jesus. Now this grace is free. It's a gift. Gifts should be free, right? So it's... A, gift, but it is not cheap. In fact, it is very costly. We'll talk about that a little bit more in a few minutes. So what exactly did Jesus do, do when he died on the cross? I like these three points to kind of summarize it with P words. Pay the penalty of sin. Pay the penalty of sin. When you and I mess up, we call it sin. It separates us from God and has to be paid for. Just like you have any other debt. I have a, actually I have two mortgages on, I have two houses. I have two mortgages. That's a debt I have to pay. And if I live long enough, I'll get paid like you probably. Uh, but what if my debt was billions of dollars? And that's what our debt is to God. It's, 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 none of us can pay it. So we have to be, somebody has to pay it for us. Or we have to get a, we might say a get out of jail free card. Uh, the penalty, but God isn't just going to let it go. He's got to, he got to be paid, so Jesus paid it for us, so we get to go free. When I think of jail, it reminds me of a story Chuck Colson told about Humana, Humanita Prison in Brazil. 
uh, probably 30 years ago now. Three, this is in the Amazon, uh, just very run down, poorly organized prison run by the government. Three Christian men went to the local governor and asked permission to take over the prison and run it on Christian principles. Amazingly, he said yes. Uh, hope, he was hoping, I guess, that he wouldn't cost him so much money. So they started running on Christian principles. Chuck Colson said, it's the most amazing prison he's ever been to. He's been to 600 prisons. Well, he's died a couple years ago, but before that. 600 prisons in the world. He said, it's the most amazing prison he's ever been to. He said, it's the cleanest prison he's ever been to. 750 inmates, two employees. Two employees. Everything else is done by volunteers. Either the prisoners themselves or people outside. When somebody has to go to court, <laughs> uh, they're escorted by a volunteer or by another prisoner, uh, amazingly. Uh, there's very few locks. Um, we'll talk about one place that is locked up. They have scripture verses on the walls. <clears throat> now, people want to get transferred there because they think they can break out. <laughs> uh, but they soon get changed. So one guy said, I, I came with steel handcuffs. Now I'm held by handcuffs of love. Anyway, they're... The, the, I don't know, I can't think of the word for it, but the rate that people, once they get out of prison, go back to prison. Anyway, what's the word? Yeah, that's the word. <laughs> but anyway, uh, in the United States, it's about 67%, which is horrible. Brazil, it's like 75%. Humanity to prison, you know what the per- percentage is? 4%. And there's no locks. Anyway, there is one part, the maximum security part, that is locked up. And that Chuck Colson was told there was one prisoner in there. And they said, do you want to see it? He said, yeah, I want to see it. So that part's locked up. Actually, a murderer had the key. And he goes in. They used to torture people there, but they don't do that anymore. And he's taken into this, this one cell. And inside that cell is a crucifix. It's Catholic country and... So it's a crucifix, Jesus on a cross. And he said, he's doing time for us. So Jesus paid the penalty for sin. That leads, that story leads into the second point. He broke the power of sin. These are convicted criminals that lives have been changed because of the power of Jesus. We talk about sometimes it takes care of our hurts, our habits, and our hang-ups. So he broke the power of sin. And thirdly, eventually one day we'll be removed from the presence of sin. And when we have bad days like yesterday, sometimes I just think, wow, just so nice when <laughs> sin is done, done away with. Uh, and so that's what Jesus did on the cross. So knowing all that, how should that make you feel? I'm going to give you three G words here. Should you feel guilty? Wow, he got, had to die and suffer and die because my, 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 all my mess-ups? No, they don't want you to feel guilty. Should I grieve? If somebody dies, we grieve. Well, no, Easter and every Sunday we celebrate what? The resurrection. Our God's alive. He's not dead. So let me suggest a third G word. Gratitude. Gratitude. Somebody gives you a gift, isn't, shouldn't your attitude, my attitude, be gratitude? And so it should be gratitude. So it leads me to this question. What do I owe God? Well, you don't owe anything for a gift. You give me a gift, I'm not going to pay you for it. 
But in reality, we owe him our lives in gratitude, shouldn't we? Well, I think we should. We're going to look at something that Peter wrote. Now, Peter is an interesting guy. He was one of Jesus' three closest friends, but he also denied him three times. And before that, Jesus said, you're going to be the leader of the early church, and even though he knew he was going to deny him. But in reality, we've all denied Christ, right? Jesus. So we shouldn't really pick on Peter too much, but he became the leader of the early church, and uh, he wrote some letters, and we're going to look at one of the letters he wrote. It kind of summarizes some of the stuff, or some of the ways we can show our gratitude. So most important of all, he starts off in verse 8. Now, when somebody says the most important of all, probably be interested in knowing what it is. I am. Hopefully you are. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. Now, every time I talk about love, I have to ask this question. What is love? Is love a feeling? Love is not a feeling. When feelings are involved, it's great. But love is not a feeling. Jesus said, love your enemies. Do you feel like loving your enemies? No. So love is not a feeling. It's a commitment. So we are to commit ourselves to loving each other. Now the question is, or the problem is, we mess up. I mess up. You mess up. I hurt you. You hurt me. You disappoint me. I disappoint you. Do I stop loving because of that? No, 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 no. <laughs> Love covers a multitude of sins. Now, does that mean that we're endorsing it or you just get to go scot-free? No, no, no. That's not what he's talking about either. But it means even though I may hurt you, you're still going to love me. Even though you may hurt me, I'm going to still love you or whatever you do. Your mess-ups or my mess-ups. It's not going to hinder our love. In fact, love often hinders us doing hurtful things. The more my, I feel love, the less I'm likely to hurt you. So he says, it doesn't endorse it, doesn't let it slide, but love does cover a multitude of sins. It lets our relationship continue to go on. Then he goes on, says, Cheerfully share your home with those in need of a meal or a place to stay. Practical things. The ways that you and I can show love, show our gratitude to God. If somebody needs a, <clears throat> a place to stay and you've got a place they can stay, the reason you have that place is God's grace and so you should be willing to share it. Somebody needs a meal. I just saw somebody attends church here some uh, sometime on Facebook, stopped and bought a sandwich for a guy who is uh, uh, homeless. That is doing what it says here. Now, <laughs> the first question is, are we doing it? The second question, how are we doing it? I said, so a little word at the beginning here. Not a very little word. <laughs> it says to do it cheerfully. Have you ever helped somebody in need and, and said, yeah, boy, if they'd just gotten their act together, I wouldn't need to give them this. Uh, you know, they're just, you know, drink, or, you know, they're just an alcoholic and they're just going to drink, you know, drink up anything I give them. You ever had a bad attitude to help the person? Don't raise your hand. I have. All right. No, 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 no. <laughs> because the grace of God, in fact, I've told most of you folks, the only thing I have on my desk, plaque on my desk is, but by the grace of God go I. And so when I look at somebody in need, I say, thank you, God. I have a nice house. I have plenty of food to eat. I'll gladly share some of it. 
cheerfully share. Then he goes on. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Manage them well so that God's generosity can flow through you. I love this verse. Now, some people say, I don't have any gifts. Well, yes, you do. (laughs) You're contradicting God. You at least have one. And by spiritual gift, it's something you have because you're a Jesus follower that you wouldn't have. Now, if you're not a Jesus follower, we're glad that you're here, and, and you probably have lots of talents and abilities. But this is something special that you have just because of your connection with God. So first, you, you have to admit you have it. You have to figure out what it is. But then, are you using it? It's like if you've got musical talent and you're not up here singing. Right, are you using it? Or that gift. Be like if you have a teaching gift and then you're not teaching. You have a serving gift. He's going to give a couple of illustrations here in a minute in the next verse. It boils down to this. Why did God give you that spiritual gift? Just to say, hey, I got this cool gift. I'll just kind of just enjoy it for myself. I got a singing gift. I just sing in my shower. Nobody else hears it. (laughs) Is that what he gave it for? No. It is to be managed well so that God's generosity, which is a cool thing, can flow through you. If it's going to flow through to you, it's going to flow through you or me to somebody else, right? So these abilities, these gifts are given to you and I for everybody else. We want to be selfish with them. And the cool thing is when we do use them, God's grace kind of flows through us. God's generosity flows through us. God uses us. That's a pretty, pretty cool thing. So he gives in the next verse, he gives a couple examples of gifts. He says there's a gift of speaking. Hopefully I have that. You all come and listen to me speak every week. Hopefully I have this gift. I'm not boring you to death. Uh, the gift of speaking. Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. And hopefully he does or he is. Now, all of us have different gifts, but there's certain things that all of us should do. And this is one thing that we all should do. Even though you may not have a teaching gift, you should speak <laughs> about Jesus, if you're Jesus' father. If you have the gift of helping others, same thing. All of us should help, but some of you have a gift of helping. Now, who's it, Nike? <laughs> Nike stole this from God. Anyway, just do it. All right? Just do it. Don't make excuses. Don't have a bad attitude. Don't get lazy. Use it. Do it. It, it, God's generosity flows through you to other people and, and, on, and you benefit. It's a win-win. There's nothing better than God using you to do something. Now notice it says, do it with all the strength and energy God supplies. So that's another excuse for something. I don't have the time or energy effort to do this. No, no, no. God will supply if you cooperate. We talked about that, I think, last week. Then everything you do We'll bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. We'll get back to that in a minute. All glory and power to him forever and ever. He kind of ends with a little prayer. Most of what gets done here at this church is done by lots of other people, not just me. It would be a pretty sad church if it all got done by me, even though I'm the only full-time paid person. So it's about all of us pitching in, working together. But the other question is, who gets the credit for it? Some of you are very gracious after 
After the service is over, you'll come up to me and say, hey, that was a good sermon, a good teaching today. Now, I appreciate when you do that. That's very kind of you when you do that. But I always have a question. What are you meaning by that? Are you mean, hey, you were funny today. You were entertaining today, Pastor. That, that was, I enjoyed that. Well, hopefully that's not it. Hopefully what I have said has helped you understand God better, understand the Christian following Jesus better, helped you connect with God better or reconnect with God better. If that's what you're saying, that's great because he gets the credit. I don't get the credit. I don't want the credit. I don't deserve the credit. He wants it all. That's what glory to God through Jesus Christ means. Give him the credit. So let's sum this up. Maybe we can sum up this whole series this way. Grace turns my stingy, selfish, self-centered heart into a generous heart, a loving heart, a giving heart, a serving heart, a Jesus heart, if you will. So to finish up this series and finish up this morning, I want to give you some, going back to the verses we just read, some practical ways to show how we respond or should respond to God's grace. So how should we respond? I'm going to summarize with the one word gratitude we talked about earlier. But how do we show gratitude? I'll give you four or five ways we can show gratitude. One, by accepting others. By accepting others. What's the best way to motivate somebody? Is it being nasty or being kind? I know football coaches, some use one method, some use another. But if you're motivating your kids, I'm trying to motivate your kids to do something, what's the best way to do that? Being mean and nasty to them or being accepting and loving of them? Especially when they maybe have messed up. That's the same way we should treat each other. The best way to motivate you or, or I is to be accepting, supportive. And this is despite our shortcomings, despite our sins, uh, the way we mess up, the way we might hurt each other. Doesn't condone those, but the best way to motivate somebody to be better or do better is by accepting and loving them. And as we go through each one of these, I'm going to ask you a question at the end. What is your strategy for doing this? And next week, we're going to have our big push for uh, re-energizing our small groups. It's easy to be accepting here on Sunday morning because I don't really know you that well. You don't really know me that well. You know me pretty well. I've got to get up here and talk a lot, but <laughs> I don't know you very well. But I do get to know the people in my small groups. And then it gets a little harder to be accepting, doesn't it? When you find out, hey, yeah, I thought that was a pretty good guy, gal, but, you know, they got this fault, they got this bad habit, whatever. So one of the best ways you can... <laughs> strategy for incorporating gratitude in this respect is be connected in a group. Do life together with some other people. Get to know them on a level that you need to be accepting and they accepting of you. It works both ways. They get to know you. Another way to show our gratitude is by being hospitable. That one verse talked about helping people in need and food or a place to stay. Now, when I talk about this, I always have to explain the difference between entertaining and hospitality. Entertaining is, focuses on the host. 
we just had a neighbor and his wife over for dinner this week. Uh, he's a, a runner, runs by my house, and we've gotten to know each other that way. Anyway, since they, we didn't know them very well, we were more probably entertaining <laughs> than being hospitable. We, our goal was to be hospitable. It, and entertaining, it's all about you. Are you a good host? Is your house neat? Is the food good? Are you, are you a good uh, conversationalist, etc.? That's entertaining. Hospitality is complete opposite. In hospitality, the focus is on the guest. Are they comfortable? Are their needs being met? So let me ask you a couple questions. Can you be, have, be hospitable with a messy house? Sure you can. You probably won't entertain with a messy house, but you can be hospitable with a messy house. Um, did we feed these folks soup when they came over? No, 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 that's what I'm saying. We weren't being more maybe entertaining than hospitable. But can you be hospitable and serve soup? Sure you can. Because it's not about you, it's about them. Maybe they like soup. So, being hospitable is about meeting the needs of the guest. So what is your strategy for being hospitable? I'll talk about this next week. We're probably going to need a... Uh, a host family or two for some of our groups. Now, we don't usually host groups because nobody lives near us, unfortunately. <laughs> Hardly anybody does. But I love to host the group. You know, one of the reasons why? Ten minutes after you're gone, I can turn the football game on. All right? When I go to group, it's a half hour for me to get home. So, once they can do it with a messy house, then that's great. So, what is your strategy for being hospitable? Thirdly, by making my life count. What do I mean by that? All right, you receive God's grace and all the blessings or whatever word you want to use that come with God's grace. So how's your life different? One of the discussions we had in our small group was, okay, and it's also in the Bible, Paul writes about this. Hey, if God's grace is so great, I can go ahead and do anything I want. Well, if that's your attitude, you're wasting God's grace, you're squandering God's grace, and you really don't understand God's grace. Because you wouldn't do that. As I said earlier, it costs a fortune. It's the most expensive commodity in the universe. And if you're a parent, I can, I, can, I can prove it to you. How much money would I have to give you to take your child away and kill it? Him or her? Anybody got an amount? I got four kids. There is no amount. And it's probably the same thing with you, right? So when God's sacrificed his only son and made it the most expensive commodity in the universe. Another way I like to think about it is this. If you were in an airplane and there was 300 passengers and it crashed and you were the lone survivor, would you want to say, hey, man, God has done something special here. I need to do something special, you know, some purpose with my life. He spared my life for some purpose better than just kind of having as much fun as I can have. So what is your strategy for making your life count? And uh, one of the ways, obviously, is to be hospitable and or to just serve people. Are you more of a servant heart now than you used to have? What are some ways you can serve? And it's always kind of, kind of excuses. Some of you got little children. I've got little children. I can't serve. Or... I'm old and I can't serve, or I've got two, three jobs I can't serve. No, no, they're all excuses. 
Make your life count. Uh, fourthly, become a, just become a generous person. What was Christ like? Was Christ a generous person? <laughs> the most generous person that ever lived. So I should become more and more generous. Someone sum, summarized the Christian life in these three words. Love, we already talked about that. Serving and giving. Giving what? Giving of your time. Giving of your money. That's included. Uh-oh, the pastor's starting to talk about money. I'm talking about my time. If you get uptight when I or anybody else starts talking about that, you don't understand God's grace. I'm sorry, but that's true. Because we should be want and desire to be generous people. Besides, all the money you have came from God anyway. Kind of like this. Those of you who have small children, you ever give them money to buy you a present? Here's $5. Buy daddy a, a Christmas present or a birthday present or a Father's Day present. You gave them the money. God gave you everything you had. So you want to be re- generous back. Besides, this, this church couldn't function without your generosity. Same thing with your time. Without the volunteers, all the people here, this church couldn't function. In fact, if you want to know, want proof <laughs> to yourself, not prove it to me, prove to yourself that you're growing in God's grace. We talked about last week. Look at your time and look at your money. If you can't trust God with your money or your time, who gave his life for you, then you've got a problem with God's grace. So what's your strategy about becoming a generous person? Maybe you're strapped yourself with debt. You need to get out of the debt. We teach the financial class every, once a year here. Maybe get a hand, handle on that so you can be a more generous person. And then lastly, by sharing the good news of grace. I'm getting kind of getting up there near the retirement thing, and I keep thinking about when and how and all that stuff. So what's really the most important thing in life? Is it making sure you have a comfortable retirement? (laughs) Is it making sure you get through that bucket list before you die? Is it even getting married? What's important? Really what's important is what we've been talking about. That's what's important. Now those of you who are Jesus followers, the reason you are is somewhere along the line somebody told you. Right? Could have been your parents. Could have been a pastor, preacher type like me. Could have been a friend. Could have been on radio, TV. Could have been on a book. Somebody told you. Now, there are all kinds of people sitting out in our, our, in our communities, people you work with, etc. Believe it or not, they don't know what Jesus has done for them. If you didn't know, wouldn't you want to know? Silly illustration, I admit, but I think it works. My wife in here, if she ever got in here. My wife likes chocolate. In fact, it's one of her, she doesn't eat a lot of it, but it's one of her favorite foods. Now, can you imagine never knowing chocolate existed? And wouldn't you want somebody to tell you? Think you would. Well, you got something way better than chocolate to tell somebody, right? See, God cares about everyone. Peter in another letter says, hey, you know, God doesn't want anybody to perish. God doesn't want anybody to be separated from him. That's why Jesus died. But somebody's got to tell him. 
That's why we exist as a church. That's why we do what we do. In fact, I tell you, the easiest thing for you to do is, hey, just hey, come to my church. It's kind of a weird church, but I think you enjoy it. And we'll tell them. All right? That's pretty easy. So what's your strategy about sharing the good news of grace? And back to our summary statement, and we're finished. Grace turns my stingy heart into a generous or Jesus heart. Uh, thank you. We're going to start, uh, we're going to talk about groups next week. Hope you can be with us. Father God, thank you. We thank you for your grace. We've been talking about it for weeks. We'll continue to talk about it. It is too good to be true, but it is true. It is amazing. It's mind-boggling. And God, just help us to, to incorporate it in our lives. And truly, we want to be generous people. We want to show our gratitude for what you've done for us. If anyone here has not received that gift, we pray the day is the day. You say, hey, I, I want it. I want that thing that's better than chocolate that I didn't know about. God, we thank you that you desire to be in relationship with all of us. And it's your name we pray. Amen.